Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Monday, November 2nd edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'm going to spend some time today talking about my adjustments to the Week 10 college football power ratings, talk about some of the things I picked up on from the box scores, and talk about some of the games that are off from my numbers and some of the things that I like here in Week 10. Again, this is by listener request because we used to talk with Kyle Hunter of huntersportspicks.com on Mondays, but... Kyle needs to have time to hit the totals market as that opens here on Monday morning, Monday early afternoon. So we switched Kyle to Wednesday. I'm doing Mondays here solo to get something out to sort of recap what we saw over the weekend and start to look ahead to this new week, specifically in college football. But we'll talk about some NFL and some other stuff here as we go throughout the remainder of this calendar year. And of course, we'll see what happens once college football winds down. Uh, And then we're kind of focused more on college basketball and maybe the NBA and NHL, depending on when they get going here with the COVID-19 pandemic. Over at ATS.io, my updated college football power ratings article is written up. And also, too, for people that use the ATS app, and I would very much encourage you to download the ATS app either from the Google Play Store, from the Apple Store, or you can get the link over at ATS.io. We noticed an issue with the power ratings article last week. I noticed that... uh, The charts, they're the tables, excuse me, that have my 1 through 127 list and also my lines for that week were not really showing up there in the app. So I changed the font color for that. They show up fine now. I know the red's a little bit hard on the eyes. But in any event, if you read the articles through the ATS app, and you can do that with all of our written content over at ATS.io, you'll finally see my power ratings now and the lines that I have on every game for this week. So again, I highly encourage you to check out the ATS app. It's got a lot of stats, a lot of good actionable information, article integration from all the written content that's posted over at ATS.io. And it's also a bet tracker for you. So you can put your picks in there, follow along with how you're doing. You can see lines from several different US sports books. Really, really powerful tool in the palm of your hand. So I encourage you to download the ATS app both for Android and for Apple devices. Over at the website specifically, big day tomorrow, four states deciding on sports betting in some capacity as a listener reached out over the weekend. In Nebraska, it's an expansion of gaming that includes games of chance, which would open up the possibility for sports betting. And I do think if there is an expansion of gaming in Nebraska, sports betting would soon follow. So, It's not directly a vote on sports betting, but I do think that this opens the door for the very strong possibility of sports betting in the state of Nebraska. Maryland has it on the ballot. South Dakota has it on the ballot. And also Louisiana, where it will pass without a doubt, but how many individual parishes pass sports betting remains to be seen. So you can read about that over at ATS.io. Check out our sportsbook reviews, uh, the state of Tennessee, They launched sports betting on Sunday. You can read about that over at ATS.io as well. And of course, throughout the week here, we'll talk about the top sportsbook promotions. A lot of great promotions from a lot of the different sportsbooks out there. It is a very competitive environment right now for all of these operators. And that means good things for you as you're looking for sign up and deposit bonuses, as you're looking for different promotions, different offers, boosted odds, all these types of things. You check all that stuff out over at ATS.io. 
All right, so we talked about the Mac on Thursday with Brad Powers. We'll talk about the Mac Wednesday morning. Well, we're recording Tuesday afternoon for Wednesday morning with Kyle Hunter. So we'll talk about our Mac power ratings and also our Pac-12 power ratings on that show with Kyle. But that's the thing here this week, boys and girls. We've got uh, two more conferences here. You know, we got six games on Wednesday all in the Mac. We got six more games from the Pac-12 coming up here Uh, this week as well so this is a very busy and crowded college football card and uh, I was out of town with my wife for the weekend and you know worked on some of the grunt work here for the power ratings on the return flights back and you know I got a lot of my adjustments done I compared my numbers to the market stuff like that and then when I got home I had every intention of writing the article and then realized damn we've got you know, upwards of almost 60 games here in college football this week some teams on a buy of course but you know, 127 teams and a lot of them in action here in week 10. So that wound up delaying progress a little bit uh, on the article, given that I fell asleep in my office chair uh, working on it last night. But in any event, you know, like I said, it's a three-step process for me when it comes to adjusting my power ratings. The first is that I compare my number to the market close, because at that point in time, in theory, Every piece of value has been extracted from that line both ways. So people have bet on both sides of that game. The number has settled in that spot for a reason. So I compare my lines to the closing lines from that week. The second thing that I do is I go through and I look at all of the box scores. I look at the team stats. I look at the player stats. I look at the game recap in terms of, you know, were there special teams touchdowns? How many short field touchdowns were there? Stuff like that to get a feel for, you know, was there a discrepancy in the turnover battle? Did one team win that over the other? And if they did, when did those turnovers happen? Where did those turnovers happen? You know, did the team turn the football over in the red zone? Did they turn it over deep in their own territory? All of those things can have a significant impact on how the game is actually played and how the result comes together. So I look at a lot of those different box score elements. And of course, that includes trying to find as much injury information as possible. So that's the second step in my process for adjusting power ratings. And then finally, the third step is, and it was much easier for me to do this here this week uh, because I didn't get to actually putting my numbers together until Monday morning, but surveying where my numbers are relative to the market. And I'm not going to say it was a come to Jesus moment or anything like that last week, but I had several games that had pretty significant discrepancies and most of them didn't work out in my favor. Texas did win outright, for example, where I did have Texas more of a three-point favorite against Oklahoma State, but Texas got badly outbeaten in that box score. So that's a spot where, yeah, Texas won the game, but I still had to make significant adjustments to both teams. And in fact, if I re-ran that game, my line would be Oklahoma State minus three now because I adjusted to what that closing line looked like in the marketplace. And also because the way that game played out from a box score standpoint would imply that that number was, you know, close to right. If not, even Oklahoma state should have been higher. So for example, I made a three and a half point adjustment to Oklahoma state and I dropped Texas two and a half points. And my line this week for Oklahoma state is still low. So obviously I have not adjusted the Cowboys enough based on their body of work so far this season based on the perception and the market valuation of this team. But the reason I do that three-step process is so that I've got a system of checks and balances. I don't want to overreact 
to what the scores are telling me. I want to see what the market did with that information, where the market was going into the game last week. For example, Temple and Tulane, I was way off on that game. Tulane's quarterback, Anthony Russo, was out, didn't properly account for that in my power ratings, wound up having a massive overlay on that game, and Tulane won running away. So that's one where I adjusted Temple down six points between Russo and obviously a bad number that I had on them and bumped Tulane a point and a half. So that's the process that I go through, you know, every weekend here, Sunday into Monday morning, looking at my adjustments, taking a look at, you know, where the market lines closed, all those types of things, so that I can try and get a more accurate representation of my numbers for the following week. So with that in mind, let's talk about some of the teams that I did adjust here. Uh, I've already touched on a couple of them, but some of the teams I made some big adjustments for going into week 10. And the first one is an obvious one. I dropped Wisconsin 10 and a half points. Now we'll see if Wisconsin's actually able to play the game this week. Uh, they play the Purdue. Uh, yeah, they play Purdue. I do have that line, Wisconsin. Uh, I think I have seven and a half on that game. I uh, actually have it right at seven. That line is Wisconsin minus eight in the market right now. But obviously for Wisconsin, a lot of concerns with COVID. Graham Mertz is out. Jack Cohen is still out from a practice injury. The third string quarterback, Chase Wolf, he had COVID symptoms. So, You had to make an adjustment to Wisconsin. My power rating on Wisconsin wasn't a very good number anyway. So I made a 10.5 point adjustment. And again, now I'm closer in line with the market if this game is actually played here this weekend. Like I said, Temple points, my power rating's been off on Temple and also the Russo injury. They didn't play well uh, without Russo here this past weekend. So six may not even be enough for Temple, but that is the adjustment that I made. Clemson, I moved them five and a half points. The market adjusted about seven, seven and a half points with Trevor Lawrence out because of COVID-19 for that game against Boston College. But the backup DJ, and I'm not going to butcher his name, and I apologize for not even giving it a try, but the backup quarterback DJ played really well in the second half for Clemson in that game. There were some early jitters. There was the adjustment period to not having Lawrence, all that type of thing. But in the second half, Clemson looked really good. So I moved Clemson down five and a half points, not having Lawrence. And maybe that's not enough here because they take on Notre Dame this week. But based on where the line is in the market, based on where I have the number with Clemson minus five and a half, uh, it looks as though my number is pretty good here for this week. I'm probably not going to bet the game anyway, but it does seem like five and a half, probably the right number to adjust Clemson here without Trevor Lawrence for this week. Another big adjustment here for me is Iowa. And I did make some big adjustments on the uh, Big Ten and the Mountain West here for this week because there are some teams I just didn't have good power ratings numbers on, and Iowa was one of them. So I dropped Iowa five points. I gave them the benefit of the doubt with the numbers I was creating prior to Big Ten play because they've been very consistent under Kirk Ferentz. But back-to-back weeks, my Iowa number's been high. Uh, and maybe five is not even enough of an adjustment, but I did give them a pretty big drop here for this week. Same thing with the Memphis Tigers. You know, I talked about this game last week, Memphis and Cincinnati, at multiple points in what I wrote about and on the show, and my number was just dead wrong. Cincinnati won, one running away. I still don't have Cincinnati's line high enough this week, but I did drop Memphis down five points, and it would appear that a big reason why my number was off so much is because Cincinnati is a much higher rated team 
than where I had them. But it does appear that I kind of let Memphis snowball a little bit, didn't make the adjustments that I should have, so I wound up dropping them five points here in my power ratings. Nevada, a team I moved up four and a half points this week. The market loves Nevada. And I thought that I was a little bit higher on Nevada than most of the market coming into the season, but that has not been the case. In two games, I've been too low on them. They've had two good data points, so I bumped them up four and a half points this week. Uh, My line's still a little bit low for their game against Utah State. So maybe, if anything, I've been too conservative with my power ratings adjustments for this season. And again, you know, we talked about this last week with Brad Powers that, you know, maybe perception is just running rampant or, you know, maybe these data points do mean a lot more here this season because, you know, in a COVID year, we want to trust teams that feel trustworthy. And right now, Nevada feels more trustworthy than UNLV, than Utah State, stuff like that. Maybe I need to make some more significant adjustments week in and week out. I try not to overreact, and maybe to a degree, that's caused me to be a little bit too conservative on some of these teams out there in the marketplace. Colorado State down four and a half points. Minnesota down four and a half points as well. Uh, This Minnesota team does not look good. Offensively, they are not nearly as efficient. Defensively, they look really, really bad. Four and a half points may not be enough of an adjustment for them. We'll see how they look this week uh, in their matchup. But, you know, again, uh, Minnesota here, their two data points thus far just have not been strong at all whatsoever. San Jose State, I moved up four points, and this may be one I may have to move up again here sometime soon. Texas A&M transfer and Arkansas transfer Nick Starkle. He kind of bounced around the SEC for a while, but now he's with San Jose State. San Jose State, a pretty good offensive mind in former wide receiver Brent Brennan. Bailey Gaither is probably the best wide receiver that nobody talks about in college football. I bumped San Jose State four points. It may not be enough. We'll see what happens with their game here this week. They do step up in class, though, on Friday night, taking on San Diego State. I'm right in line with the market. I've got this one 10, market's 9.5. But San Jose State warranting a big upgrade here in my power ratings for this week. Wake Forest, I bumped four points. I've talked about this one a few times that I've been kind of slow on the market uh, in Wake Forest. Same thing with Virginia, who I moved up three points as well. Then finally, I bumped New Mexico down four points. My line was way off last week against San Jose State, uh, way off even when they adjusted the venue. So dropped New Mexico down four points here. One other thing, and this is very important. I should definitely talk about this. I've changed my baseline home field advantage to be two points now as opposed to one. And in the article over at ATS.io, you can see my home field advantage calculations for any team that doesn't have the default home field advantage. If there's nothing in the HFA box, their home field advantage is two. And I talked about this with Brad Powers last week. I made a bump of every team uh, for this week here in my power ratings. But as I said, my baseline is now two. There are some teams that are two and a half. There are some teams that are three here. Uh, for week 10, and we'll see if I have to make another adjustment as we go forward here uh, in subsequent weeks. But it does appear that the odds makers are going with something much closer to regular home field advantage than I was. So that's part of the reason why my numbers have been off in some of these games. But again, you know, I think home teams were 48% going into week nine. I haven't rerun the data here yet, but uh, home teams you know, really haven't done exceedingly well this year. 
So usually it's about a 50-50 proposition. This year it's not. I do think home field advantage in the market is being evaluated a little bit too highly, but I did make some adjustments to be a little bit closer in line with the market. And, and again, you know, I know that a lot of you probably don't do power ratings. Hopefully this uh, solo segment has some benefit for you. Maybe it doesn't, but you know, you like to try and be close to in line with the market. You don't want a bunch of wild discrepancies in your numbers. Like I had last week, I've got a handful of them here this week, none to as high of a degree as I had with some of last week's games. But, you know, if the market has evaluated home field advantage to be around three points, I can disagree with that, but I don't want to be at one point. You know, I don't want to be that far off from what the prevailing number is. So that's why I did make that adjustment. And uh, like I said, we'll see if that winds up being enough here as we go forward. A handful of games where I am off on the market to touch on here today. Western Michigan and Akron. This one here, the Wednesday night game. Akron is at home. My number is 13 and a half here with Western Michigan, a road favorite. The market is 18. And this one is moving away from my number. Now, I think Western Michigan's down a little bit this year. I think this is a perception-based play on the idea that Akron was so bad last year and probably won't improve that much this year. And that certainly is a possibility. Akron could just be you know, an absolute bottom feeder once again. And look, the thing of it is, I've got Akron as the third worst team in the country in my power ratings. Only Louisiana Monroe and UMass are lower than Akron, who's also tied with Bowling Green. Now, maybe my numbers are a little bit too high on those two teams because my line is a little bit cheap here on Bowling Green and Toledo. That line's 22 in the market. I've got it 19. So maybe I am a little bit too optimistic on Akron and Bowling Green coming into this season. But we got a total here, you know, in the uh, in the upper 40s, low 50s, likely for a lot of this, for a lot of these games here. Uh, 55 and a half, I think is a little bit high of a total for this Western Michigan-Akron game. I think as the rest of the market opens, that one will come down a little bit. But I think 18 is too high in this game. Am I going to bet Akron? Eh, Probably not. But with that being said, I think this line's a little bit too high. So this is a case where, again, this is week one of the MAC. So if Western Michigan wins by 17, wins the box score comfortably, I will adjust my numbers. If Western Michigan wins by 14 and the box score is pretty close – I'll have a slight adjustment in my numbers. I think this line's a little high at 18, but again, there's really no reason to run out there and and rush to bet on the Akron zips. I mentioned already that I did upgrade Nevada four and a half points this week, but my line is still low on this Utah State game on Thursday night here. I've got an 11. It's 15 and a half, 16 out there in the marketplace. And Utah State has not looked good at all. I mean, they've looked really, really bad. And the thing about it is that I have already adjusted Utah State down twice, and I've already adjusted Nevada up twice. When you think about this, Boise State and Utah State played in the first Mountain West game, right? Boise State was a 17-point favorite at home. And I know that we've got two data points here, but this number is trending in that direction. This feels like an overreaction to me, and I'm not going to bet Utah State, but again, you know, you try to do all these different things to get your power ratings in line with the market, but sometimes you just can't get there. And the idea that this line is where the Boise State-Utah State line was two weeks ago doesn't sound right to me. Maybe 11's not right, 
But I don't think 16, 16 and a half, 17 is right on this game either. Now, again, Utah State's two data points have just been horrific. So that is a big part of the equation here. But I think this line's too high too. And the one thing I will say is that last week, and this is going to you know sort of spit in the face of what I've been talking about where I think some of these lines are too high. Last week, the lines I thought were too high were absolutely right. So there is that. So maybe I'm not adjusting, again, to an extreme enough degree with these teams that look really, really bad or these teams that look really, really good. Maybe I just need to you know, take it at face value and say, you know what? That team's probably a lot better than I thought. Boom, I'm going to go six or seven points right away. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to see how everything plays out here. But I do think this Utah State-Nevada line is a little bit too high here at this point in time. South Alabama and Coastal Carolina is another one here for me where I think Coastal's prices are just getting way out of whack. And then they've been covering numbers. So, I mean, kudos to them for that. I've got this line 12 and a half against South Alabama. The market is 17. Again, I mean, Coastal, maybe they're just great. You know, maybe they're just an excellent, very efficient team. And they certainly have played like it here to this point in time. I've I've been adjusting Coastal back and forth a little bit. I won't be involved in this game unless it gets a little bit higher where I may take South Alabama. But again, the theme remains the same here with the games that I'm off on. You know, Nevada looks really good. Haven't adjusted them enough. Coastal, same thing. Cincinnati, maybe they are a top 10 team. You know, maybe Cincinnati is a top 10 team in everybody's power ratings right now. I have that line eight. It's up to 13 in the market now. I adjusted Cincinnati up. I've adjusted Houston down, but I'm still not there with the number. It's even 13 and a half now. So maybe I just have to accept the fact that some of these teams are really, really good and not worry about where I have them rated relative to the other teams in the nation because they're just playing conference games. You know, maybe Cincinnati is light years better than anybody else in the AAC, not named UCF. Maybe Coastal is light years better than anybody in the Sun Belt, not named Appalachian State. So maybe that's the adjustment that I have to make here. And again, I've never claimed for my power ratings to be perfect. You know, I never thought that they are. It's just trying to find that correct balance of where these teams should be, where you have them, where the market has them. And I think Nevada, Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati, all teams that maybe I haven't properly adjusted for so far here this season. Baylor and Iowa State, of the games I've been off on so far, this is the one I'm most interested in betting in. Utah, or excuse me, Iowa State now up to a 13 and a half point favorite. And I agree. Baylor is not as good as they were last season. They've been kind of a disappointment. But this is one to me where Iowa State is a team I want to bet as a dog or as a small favorite. I do not want to bet on them when they have to get margin. I've already taken a piece of Baylor here at 13 and a half. This line looks like it could go to 14 as well. I think this is one where I'm off, but I think I'm, I'm happy to be in the position where I'm off. I've got Baylor plus nine and a half. Again, the market 13 and a half. I'm, I played Baylor at 13 and a half. I'll play a little bit more at 14 if it gets there. But again, to me, I think Iowa State is just, they're not a team you want to lay big numbers with. And if they cover here, so be it. UCLA and Colorado here. Colorado is plus six out there in the marketplace. My line is two on this game. And I understand that Colorado, a very uninspired hire of Carl Durrell. They've lost some guys from last year. They lose LaVisca Chenault. They lose some guys, you know, on the offense and on the defense as well. They've got a lot of turnover, a big amount of turnover for Colorado. But 
UCLA, are they ever going to make the leap here with Chip Kelly? Is that ever going to be a thing? I don't know. I can tell you this. I'm not laying six with UCLA on the road in altitude in their first game. And I know that continuity is on UCLA's side here because you know they bring back Chip Kelly. They bring back a lot of their personnel. Colorado doesn't bring back really anything. But I am not trusting UCLA in this spot. Not a chance in hell. Haven't played Colorado yet at six. If I get six and a half or seven, it will be a play. If I have to settle for six, I will do that. But I think maybe there's a chance this line goes up a little bit because it's clear to me that the perception of Colorado coming into the season is just not high at all. And I just, I can't get there with UCLA. I think Colorado is too big of an underdog here in this game. I mentioned I'm still not there yet on Oklahoma State and their line here against Kansas State, 11 in the market. I've got it seven. I'll take Kansas State here at this price. I mean, look, I think at 11, it's a good number. Kansas State, very good on special teams. I know Oklahoma State's defense has played very well, but Kansas State does so many little things well. And again, this is in that range where Kansas State covers a lot of these types of numbers, 10, 11, 12, stuff like that in that underdog role where they're playing a team that's superior to them. They just cover those kinds of games because they're so detail-oriented. And I get it. Oklahoma State should have won and covered against uh, Texas last week. That was a very misleading box score, to say the least. I think Oklahoma State is just overpriced here in this game. I like Kansas plus 11. Uh, Last one, I don't think the UTEP line is big enough here, taking on FIU, one and a half or two in the market. Uh, I got this one five and a half. I like UTEP in that one. Let's talk about some box score stuff here really quick. Minnesota gave up 675 yards to Maryland. I I don't know how the hell you do that. Maybe Maryland's better than we thought. Maybe Tua's brother is a pretty good quarterback there for Mike Loxley, but uh, 675 yards is an embarrassing defensive performance from the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Ohio State outgained Penn State 526 to 325. That was not as close of a game as the final score would suggest. Ohio State missed two short field goals. They gifted Penn State a field goal there right before halftime. So that was a nine-point swing, and really Ohio State had another drop in the end zone. Uh, Ohio State could have won that game much bigger than what they did. I did upgrade Penn State a little bit because of where the market closed in that game, uh, but Ohio State, by and large, I mean, they should have they should have covered every number uh, with relative ease in that one. Oklahoma State-Texas, I've talked about this game a lot already. Oklahoma State was minus five in turnover margin. They were minus four in the fumble department. They outgained Texas 530 to 287. Texas had scoring drives of 15 yards, five yards, negative three yards, and ran back a kick for a touchdown. So Texas got very, very lucky in that game, to say the least. And I can understand why people are betting on Oklahoma State this week as a result, in particular because Kansas State, you know, we talked about it a lot here. They've had a lot of really fortunate things happen on special teams with some blocked punts, punt return touchdowns, stuff like that. Indiana, another terrible offensive performance from the Hoosiers, 343 yards, only 5.2 yards per play in their game against Rutgers. Now they covered the number they shouldn't have. They were plus three in turnover margin. The weird lateral play aside, Indiana did not look like a team that should have scored 37 points in that game. So uh, Indiana is a team that 
you know, I dropped in my power ratings here only a point and a half, but I probably should have gone lower uh, based on their two offensive performances here so far. Navy, you know, game state, really important to talk about, really important to look at from a yardage standpoint because you want to look more at yards per play than you do uh, total yards. Navy threw for 239 yards in their game last week against SMU. Again, game state played a big role there. They trailed big throughout most of that one. How about Boise State here? 9.4 yards per play. They had 49 points. They had 49 offensive snaps. And that was without Hank Bachmeyer, who was a late scratch in that game. USC transfer Jack Sears wound up playing really well for Boise State in that matchup. They only had four third down attempts. So lots of early down success for Boise State. And an awesome game coming up here on Friday night with BYU on the Smurf turf at Boise State. Great game there. How about Mike Collins, the quarterback for Rice? Only 12 completions for him last weekend, but four of them went for touchdown passes. So that was a pretty interesting development there uh, for the Rice Owls. Syracuse, back-to-back games, minus three in turnover margin. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we did some of the regression metrics with Kyle Hunter, that Syracuse was like plus 11 in turnover margin. Well, they're minus three the last two games. We said their turnover margin would regress. We said they'd get a lot worse when that happened. And so far, that has been the case here for the Syracuse Orange. UCF, 44 points. They racked up over 680 yards once again. They had two short red zone field goals and missed a field goal. So UCF left points on the board once again. Uh, That's just a dynamic, efficient offense that they left some points on the board. They've had some turnovers in the red zone. They've kicked some short field goals, stuff like that. But, man, they move the ball a ton. If they could ever figure out their red zone success, uh, they'd be virtually unstoppable there in the AAC. Troy's backup quarterback had to go. Gunnar Watson was actually not able to start this game for Troy. Jacob Free played the game against Arkansas State. 33 of 45 for 419 yards, two touchdowns. He's been just as good pretty much as Gunnar Watson. So Troy's offense firing on all cylinders right now uh, for Chip Lindley, the head coach down there. Uh, Chip Lindsay, excuse me. UAB. UAB had three turnovers in their game against Louisiana Tech. They lost the game outright, but they should not have. They outgained Louisiana Tech 338 to 49 on the ground. They were two for 13 on third down. Turnovers played a really big role in that game. Baylor and TCU, you know, they combined for 56 points last week. I think it was, you know, pretty uh, higher scoring expectation. I think a lot of people had for that game. They combined to go five for 29 on third down Baylor and TCU there. So uh, again, I do like Baylor this week against Iowa state, but I will tell you that their offense has not been great to this point. Louisville, Virginia tech was a weird game. Louisville 548 to 466 won the yardage battle, but minus three in turnover margin. All of those were Malik Cunningham interceptions, uh, allowing Virginia Tech to win that game there against Louisville. How about this Duke and Charlotte game? Duke wins 53 to 19, but they only outgained Charlotte 401 to 338. Charlotte had the ball for 42 minutes and 30 seconds in this game. Duke had almost eight yards per play and again, put up 53 points when they only had the ball for about 17 and a half minutes in that one. Very strange game to say the least. And lastly here, Louisiana, the Ragin' Cajuns, they outgained the opposition 614 
to 382 in their game over the weekend, but Louisiana had four turnovers in that one. So they racked up a ton of yardage against Texas State, but they turned the ball over. They gave away some possessions. They could have hung almost 60 in that game if they wanted to, but they had the four turnovers there uh, that did really wreak havoc on that matchup. So a lot to chew on here from today's show, a lot of thoughts. And again, a lot of this, if you missed it or you don't want to re-listen to the show, a lot of this posted over at ATS.io in my Power Ratings article. Don't include the box score stuff, uh, but the adjustments, the lines, all that over there in my Power Ratings article. As far as some of the marquee games, I haven't really talked about too much here uh, for this weekend. You know, Michigan, Indiana, again, Michigan, a three-point favorite here. Off the loss to Sparty, Indiana off of two bad offensive performances. Michigan's a better team than what they showed in that game against Michigan State. The play calling was suspect. Uh, you know, a lot of things just went wrong for Michigan in that game. I'm right on the number. I got it Michigan minus three and a half. If I had to do anything here, it would be to play Michigan. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens with that line as we go throughout the week here. Florida and Georgia, my line's a little bit high at five and a half. But Stetson Bennett did not play well for Georgia against Kentucky. Very low-scoring game. Two bad offenses in that one. I agree with and understand why this line's gone down on the Florida side here. We'll see if there's any supplemental discipline and suspensions uh, off of Florida's brawl against Missouri. But I agree with that line going down. I think Florida's a very good team. I think Dan Mullen has that team going in the right direction. Uh, I think my line is a little bit high in that one. And then Clemson, Notre Dame, again, didn't really talk too much about this game. But my line's five and a half here. We saw a little bit of Clemson money on Monday morning in that marquee matchup. Brad Powers already saying on Twitter that he bet Clemson minus four on the Circa openers. Uh, I think that one probably goes to six and a half here uh, before we see any indication of some Notre Dame buyback. So we'll talk about a lot of those games as we go throughout the week here on ATS Radio with uh, Kyle Hunter on Wednesday, Brad Powers on Thursday. We'll talk NFL with Brian Blessing on Tuesday. I'll give you my circuit thoughts on Friday coming off of a tough two and three week for me. But a lot of stuff, a lot of content here on ATS Radio. And of course, as always, over at ATS.io. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.